Hi, I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And I'm Angelica Yard. And we're the heart behind the Heart and Hustle podcast. Every Wednesday, we share a new episode with our listeners on topics that range from business and creativity to leadership and innovation. We also interview some of the best and brightest in the industry and spread our love of entrepreneurship all over the internet with our hashtag, BossSoHard. We're on a mission to help you find balance in your life, creativity in your career, and dollars in your bank account. So sit back, relax, and take notes while we show you how to dream big, work hard, and repeat. Welcome back. Um, we survived the storm. Yeah, unscathed pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, this, this area we're, is pretty good. We're very, very lucky. Like, in the celebration area, we um, did not lose power. And most of my friends that live in Orlando did lose power. So I felt really bad as kind of reports were coming in on social media or, like, friends were texting me, hey, I'm out of power. Like, you know, you might not hear from me for a few hours. I'm trying to save all you know, the charges on my devices and whatnot. And the whole time we had power, and I, it, it did flicker a few times, but... Uh, it only flickered like, like, like one time. T- say, for me. for me, I think it was twice. Um, and that was it. So, yeah, I mean, we got really lucky. It's, it's, you know, the yards and stuff are messed up in our area, but nothing really besides that. I did see, like... Uh, you know, a little bit of, like, roof missing somewhere. Well, there were some roofs but and some trees fell on Not, like, cars, a full roof, you know. But, it's um, just nothing nearly as bad as, as Jacksonville. What, yeah, I mean, exactly. I like Sarasota kind of feared more than Jacksonville, which was crazy because they kept telling everybody it's going to Tampa. And yeah. And Tampa's going to be decimated. And Tampa looks completely fine. Tampa's fine. South Florida's a mess. And, yeah, so. and Jacksonville's a mess. So there's definitely a lot of places that are nearby that's a not fair as well, so... Now we will, like, now that we're fine, we can turn around and put our effort into helping our neighbors that are, like, an hour, two hours, three hours away, um, because they did not get uh, as lucky as we did, and, of course, now the storm is heading towards uh, Georgia and South Carolina and up there. Charleston doesn't look um, the best at the moment, so, yeah, it's... I don't even, we have another storm, like, on the way, Jose, which I'm not even allowing myself to, like, think about today. Today, I'm like, let's just get back to work, get through things, and then we'll see what Jose is up to. Hopefully he just stays out. We don't want him here. He just can stay out in the water, and His I just don't even want to know him. Irma's ex-boyfriend is Yeah, like, I don't want to know about him. Why'd you leave me out here in the Atlantic? <laughs> yeah, and this is like, I mean, I think anybody who's listened to this podcast has heard us both talk about before, like how we don't mind the idea of like leaving Florida. Like it's definitely on our, on the radar for both of us. But this storm, like I'm like over here looking at my husband, like why do you have me in this state? Like I, I just feel like this is like the least of my problems with Florida. Like, not this is for your me. Top problem. I'm like because... Florida. My problems with Florida all have to do with like the southeastern United States in general. My like and it's not my top factor. problem because I mean <laughs> it just one, happened. But like, all right, the issue with it was like the big issue for a lot of people was like do I evacuate or not? Because the news was really I don't want to say sensational. No, they were. I will say they were sensationalizing it. (laughs) Because it's like, it is important, obviously, to take things seriously, but at the same time, it's like, they they were just kind of like scaring people. And yeah. And a lot of things that like they were showing where they're like, here's a picture of Andrew and here's a picture of the storm. And I have a lot of friends that like went through Andrew as kids and were feeling, you know, just like terrified, like seeing those side by side images and that sort of thing. So I don't know. It was just. A lot of the news was, I wasn't, like, a huge fan of the way that they did it, but then you also wanted to obviously stay up on what's going on. So it was just, it was a lot. And then, you know, you had friends that were wondering, especially those with, like, kids or whatever, they're like, do I evacuate? Do I not evacuate? And it wasn't really, like, clear, and the roads were a mess. It wasn't always easy to evacuate if you wanted to, you know what I mean? I mean, 
Orlando and Orange County didn't have evacuation orders, only mobile homes. Well, it's interesting because my friends in, like, my friends in Fort Myers were, like, talking about evacuating. Like, we had some people reach out to us from Fort Myers, and they're like, hey, can we evacuate to you? And then we had friends, or we had family in Miami that evacuated to my uncle's house here in Orlando. And then the storm ends up hitting us. I mean, Miami, parts of Miami obviously got hit as well, but it's like Fort Myers, a lot, like, where, they're, like, far in where our friends are there. They got less damage than, like, we did here in Orlando. So it's just very interesting, like. You just can't predict the weather. Yeah. Or at least we can't yet. Let's not make, like, TV um, a big, huge deal about it for, like, 10 days before the storm even gets close. Because it was last Sunday around the time where they were like, you need to start prepping, which we did. Um, but it was, it's just very, it's, dramatic. it's not like, these are the sort of storms though that remind you of like just how hard, cause it's, it's a long way out of Florida anyways. Like it's not like if you live in the middle of the state and definitely the South of the state and you're trying to drive out, it takes a while. But during a storm, it was taking people what normally took them like five hours was taking them like 12. Yeah. It took somebody 20 hours to get from 17 hours to get from Miami to or, um, Jacksonville. And that's, that's, that's not just friends. That's yeah. just, I don't even Privilege, having economic privilege and being able, one, to evacuate is a thing. We were thinking about going to Atlanta. I'm glad I didn't because Atlanta doesn't have power. Our backup was going to New York. Um, but the flight would have got, actually, the flight we were going to buy got canceled. But there's just, um, yeah. being in a place of economic privilege and being able to do that is something that I recognize all the time. Because not everybody can. And so I'm just like, please, just get off social media. Also, not having a stores. job that you have to be at, because right. some people, their jobs were still like, no, you need to be here until A, B, and C, until the governor was like, okay, you can't do that anymore. Um, and for us, like, I like one of the first things I thought about was like, oh, I'll just go to Brooklyn. No big deal. I'll go stay with my brothers. But then I was like, oh, no, just kidding. We have a dog. So, like, well, my mom's dog's trapped to do. Like, what what is going to be the game plan there? Plus, my mom was in the hospital last week, so I wasn't sure if I was going to spend the hurricane in the hospital. So we didn't really have it's the time. The safest place to be. Yeah, we didn't have the time to evacuate or like any of that because it was just like, well, she's in and out of the hospital this week anyway. So, and I was like driving as far as that went. Like the roads looked. No, it was. It was it, I was like, it looks worse than just hunkering down and and getting through it. So I don't know. I'm glad that it's all over for us anyways and like i said obviously now since we didn't really have to go through that much we can turn around and help other people especially with all the supplies that everyone in orlando bought it's like turn around and give that supplies to the people who need it look fans stop (laughs) like stop hoarding everyone has way too much water y'all know you don't even drink that much water many of you drink soda anyways and not even water (laughs) um Okay, so we do have some listener questions this week, so we'll go ahead and get into them. The first one is, what is your favorite social media platform at the moment? Um, And I love that at the moment because obviously they change a lot with algorithms and just with, you know, anything else. Like, there's just some that you like more than others. Um, I don't know. I think at the moment, and this is kind of surprising to me, but I think at the moment it's Twitter. It's just beat out Instagram just a tiny bit at the moment. Um, I can tell you that it's not Facebook at all. Facebook was great for like making sure that people were okay for during the storm, but was it was also it was it was also like 
very just everyone was freaking out on my Facebook so I had to walk away from it for a bit because it's like everyone was like everyone's like there's water at this store ah so I was like I've been avoiding Facebook for the most part because of that um I always love Instagram it's always like a solid favorite of mine I I, again I'm a visual person so I just love being able to see beautiful imagery and seeing like different parts of the world where people are seeing how people um find beauty in their just every day-to-day life as well Um, so I've always loved Instagram. I'll always love Instagram, but just Twitter at the moment has just been where I've kind of been finding, you know, a lot of like my peers and like other people that own small businesses and being able to communicate with them and just, I don't know, it's just a safe space. And I've spent a little bit more time there than anywhere else, um, over the past few weeks. How about you? No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about social media in general. I don't have time. So I've not honestly been looking at social media. I haven't been checking in i've gone to like a few slack channels i'm like i see you on I, twitter uh not really if you go back i'm like i've not been it's a lot of auto tweets but not oh gotcha I ain't got, i'm not on there i'm buffering um so yeah i haven't i just don't have time <laughs> so i'm like oh people are still alive that's good check on out like i'm more right now i'm not social media i'm in person like socializing so i'm doing a lot more meeting people or you're just conversing one-on-one uh, via email or just having like FaceTime or Marco Polo or whatever but I just I'm like looking at Instagram and trying to catch up on stuff and I'm like oh well that's from like 19 years ago so it doesn't I don't know so I just don't people on the internet I'm sorry I don't have time but like I'm glad social media is still around because it's helping people like I read the article on the Cajun Navy and how Facebook completely helped Houston out so much and I'm like how can Orlando get that kind of energy from being like constantly fighting about water or freaking out or sharing videos of people stealing shoes to like using that i feel like celebration is doing a good job like of helping each other out on facebook and seeing the facebook group do a lot of good there but in terms of like everybody else in town they're like oh they're looting and and, you know miami they're stealing shoes and i'm like okay what does that have to do with like the store nobody cares like stop sharing dumb things so i just i don't i don't care about social media That's not where I'm making my money. So I'm like, okay, I'll check back in when it's like Christmas and everyone's fighting over Starbucks cups. That's coming up soon. (laughs) Yep. Isn't that November? Not usually. Yep. Um, So where are you finding inspiration at the moment? Um, Me personally, reading, um, going outside, (laughs) like going out into different stores, different shops, a little bit of different artists that I've been kind of following on just in person doing some research at art shows and stuff like that is really where I've been kind of finding inspiration, especially old books, because I've been looking at a lot of lettering and typeface and kind of some media stuff. I would have watched a few YouTube videos just because I'm working on some video stuff right now. And so a lot of inspiration in how people are putting together just storyboards and all that stuff and kind of challenging myself to do something a little bit different is where I'm at right now, but I'm not online a bunch, so I'm um, as far as inspiration for me, I recently like redid my office, which, um, made me pull out a lot of like my grandparents old picture or old books, um, that like were their coffee table books and they have like those sort of books in like every room in their house. Um, even the guest room, which I thought was interesting. So it's like, they were like right on the table next to the bed. So it's like, okay, if you're guest, a guest and you're sleeping over and you just you feel like you want to, you want to look through the, like the Louvre at the moment, then you can do that. So <laughs> Um, I really love just, they have like a lot of books that they got when they traveled through Europe. And, um, you know, I used to look at those books like one day being like, oh, these are all the places I want to go to. So, you know, we're kind of like 
planning out some of the travels we want to do for next summer. So it's just kind of been good looking through those and kind of getting an idea and narrowing those places down. Um, any like travel groups online or like any like travel bloggers always inspire me because I'm just, I just love seeing the world, like especially through like the way that other people see it. So seeing people that have gone to places I've gone to and then they get photos that are like, you know, just totally different. It's like, oh, that's a different perspective than what I had. And so I love that sort of thing. And then um, getting a lot of inspiration lately from just like the people around me, um, you know, just the people that own businesses or, you know, are artists in some form and just like, you know, my friends who are out there like doing their things and seeing what they're doing. I have a friend that just did a mural um, in a restaurant downtown, which was really cool. She did it with her husband. So just friends like that that are, you know, doing the things they love and watching them shine and, and just like picking up on their good vibes. So that's where I've been getting my inspiration yeah. lately. Orlando is coming up, so I'm yeah, I'm really excited, excited for that. that. And the immersion project that it was the creative city yeah. project, like all the cool art stuff is about to happen. It's and gonna I like fall is a really great time for art wait. in our city, <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. Um, so what are you most looking forward to during the month of September when it comes to your business? Is um, so I'm excited just because again, fall is a really good time, like, I think that people are inspired so like both with like me having people behind the camera and me like you know developing brands like I think on both ends like people are just really inspired this time of year people are in really good moods this time of year um I'm really excited just because I have some plans for like the tiny tea shop that going into the holiday season this is when like I really wanted to kind of do things up big so um I put it on hold for like a few days with like the hurricane prep but, um, yeah, so that should be coming out later this week. So just really excited about pretty much all the things. And just, I just, I love fall. I just feel like fall is always a good season for my business. I don't, it's just the best time of the year. I, I <laughs> hate like to be like, summer. I hate to be that girl with like the Starbucks in your hand and like, you know, the Ugg boots and all that. It's but it's just like fall, <laughs> fall is great. And yeah, I think summer is just like a long girl season for us here in Florida and then, you know, having hurricane season, you know, at the end, like the, you know, tail end of summer, it's just like a lot. So fall is just that time you're going through the year and you're like, ah, oh, like it's going to be less scorching hot. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that. And then I'm hoping to do some dates where I'm going to shoot portraits, um, in other cities this fall. Like I normally do one or two cities. I think I'm going to do a few. Um, so I'm kind of trying to get dates together for, I'm definitely going to do the Northeast, um, so New York, Philly, and DC, uh, possibly Baltimore, but I'm hoping to also do, uh, Charlotte. So I'll definitely post those on Instagram and Twitter and all those good places. So if you want me to take your portrait, I would love to get you behind my camera. So I'm excited about that too, because it's, it's really great to get out of Florida and take photos elsewhere. Uh, it's, it's just great to get out of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> like fans, <laughs> friends, people, it's time. It's, it's great to get out of Florida. Um, September, we're just starting a gigantic project, so I'm working on that. I'm tying up some old projects and finishing those up, which is super exciting because that was kind of summer work, and I'm like, summer's dead. Let's, let's send you out into the wild, let you be free, flourish in the fall, meet back up in the winter, see how you're doing, but I'm really excited to work on kind of some of the bigger things that we have going on and just a lot of different crazy business stuff. I'm really prepping for Philly and New York in October, so I'm just trying to get everything to the point where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to be gone for a few days. I mean, we usually work when we're gone. Um, we're still deciding how long we want to be in New York or not based on another speaking engagement, may, which may be the following week, so it might be in New York for like 10 days or something. 
which is exciting, but also, like, okay, I need to have, I'm like, do I just take my whole iMac with me at that point <laughs> for moving on for 10 days? I'll just wrap it up and, like, send it into check luggage. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll report back on how people with no laptops travel, and then I'll yeah, probably say, end up buying a laptop. I'll say, you probably, I don't know how <laughs> you've been, I just really realized in this moment, and then I just thought about it. that in this moment. I don't know how you've been doing that. The biggest problem is buying, I don't want anything after 2015 in terms of a MacBook. Just Same, yeah. I, com- um, I completely agree. That's why I've so been holding on to mine. So it's good for pricing, but it's also like, they're so rare because so many people have downgraded who did get the newer ones. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, ooh, I'm not, I'm Yeah, not. I have an old one and I love my old one it's fantastic and that's the only reason that like I've been able to travel the way I have because it's it's there with me it's like my baby I actually when the storm came and I had to go into the closet at one point I took it into the closet with me um so (laughs) it's like wrapped up in cellophane somewhere in our laundry room I think I don't know I have to unhurricane all the things I think our printer is in our laundry room too so uh I just need to figure out where everything is going for September but it's really I mean we're just so busy i just I'll, I'll pop back out when i pop out you'll know the world will know when i pop back out into the world again i'm just we are so like so buried right now let us know what you are looking forward to during the month of september you can always see that on social media we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter on twitter we're heart hustle pod everywhere else we're heart and hustle podcast and you can use the hashtag boss so hard anywhere in there on, around the internet and that way we can find you and just see what you're up to. We'd love to see like what you're feeling inspired by, what you're looking forward to during fall. Maybe if you don't live in Florida and you live up north, send us some photos of pumpkin leaves until we get up donuts, there. Um, yes, spice, all the pumpkin lashes. things, everything. Um, and don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes if you haven't already. We really, really appreciate those. Those are how other people are able to find the podcast. And, you know, we obviously hope that it resonates with people and people um, find ways to get help here, not just from us, but obviously from the amazing people that we have on the podcast like today's guest. Yeah, seriously. Fave. Girlfriend is a fave, and I can't wait for, like, her nine-year anniversary because now I'm trying to figure out a way to get up there. So, you guys, listen, let us know what you think, and we will be back next week pending Jose doesn't come over and just knock on the door. Yep. (laughs) All right, bye. draw a bigger box for yourself? Seth Godin's All-MBA Workshop is an intensive leadership and management workshop designed for changemakers who have a fire in the belly. This is for people who are itching to level up and make a bigger impact. Four times a year, the workshop brings together two groups of 100 to 120 leaders curating the group to pick the right mix of people from different industries and areas of expertise. The end result, you're surrounded by other leaders who are moving to the top of their respective fields and helping support each other to become stronger cross-functional change agents. The workshop splits you up into groups every week so you're meeting a bunch of people you'd never otherwise meet. You're getting and giving feedback and seeing your blind spots in a whole new way. By working on 13 projects during the month, you're constantly pushing ahead and creating a body of work as proof. It's not about passively learning, it's about actively putting those concepts into practice until they become habit. The idea is to drink from the fire hose and rewire your brain to make new, better habits and to have the platform practice those habits. So who's been through all MBA? Over a thousand alumni. They include a mix of leaders, including product managers, naval naval commanders, lawyers, marketing directors, engineers, ophthalmologists, UX designers, filmmakers, and more. This group is half freelance, half folks at companies and startups like Slack, Tesla, Kickstarter, Charity Water, Microsoft, Nike, Trello, Kiva, Warby Parker, and more. If you're a leader and want to become even better, this is for you. 
There are no lectures, no videos. It's rolling your sleeves and working in groups with people who are equally into winning. It's an intensive, immersive four-week experience of drinking from the fire hose. Over a thousand plus people from 580 cities and 49 countries around the world have all done all MBA. Challenging? <laughs> yes, but our friends at Seth Godin's All MBA believe the rewards are so worth it. Ask any of their alumni. While most online courses barely approach a 7% completion rate, the All MBA has an astonishing 96% completion rate. Their alumni say they do it again in a heartbeat. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for you to level up. If you're looking for ways to have a bigger impact, the All-MBA could help you get there. The curriculum is entirely hands-on. More than 75% of your time is dedicated to shipping your work, practical projects that allow you to apply what you learn. So if you're tired of courses that you never finish videos or you've had them bookmarked, then put those aside and check out All-MBA as a different way to level up. So, they are now accepting applications for the upcoming session. To find out more, visit www.altmba.com backslash heart and hustle. So, that's www.altmba.com backslash heart and hustle. For special consideration, you can mention Heart and Hustle podcast in your application and tell them that we sent you. So, check out the episode and enjoy. So guys, I'm super excited because we are having somebody that I have admired for a very, very long time on the podcast, and I'm super excited that, first of all, my husband, is a backstory, he was like, oh, I reached out to this girl in a Facebook group, and I was like, who? And he was like, oh, it's this girl, Marie, her site's like the curvy fashion, he said, like, you're so, like, duh, I don't know, and I was like, are you, are you kidding me right now? Like, that is a, like, she's a big deal, like, don't, like, don't mess this up, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> um, and I was just explaining to him everything that you've done in terms of exploring body confidence and plus-size fashion and just being an amazing influencer online and everything, so I'm super excited to have Marie Denae here of the Curvy Fashionista, Curvy Fashionista here with us. So we're so excited to talk to you, Marie, and for people who don't know your brand, which how, uh, if they live in a cave or under a rock, please explain to them what the Curvy Fashionista is and how you've grown so far in the past couple of years. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really funny when I hear, like, I had no idea, like, that conversation happened on the back end. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of fun. Um, the Curvy Fashionista kind of was, like, um, it's grown. It first was like a space where I was going to find like all these plus size options and be like, hey, this is here. So it was kind of like a resource kind of launch pad for myself for some of the other goals and things that I wanted to do um, in, in fashion. So for me, initially, I actually wanted to have a boutique. So I was kind of like doing all this research and uh, the Curvy Fashionista was like a place where I put it all. Right? And um, from there, the blog literally has grown into its own kind of um, platform or life form, if you may. Like, you know, it covers all things plus size fashion, whether it be the latest news, the latest collection, um, interviews, uh, where to buy it, how to buy it. Like, really kind of evolve into your plus size resource destination. And so that's kind of what the brand is about. That's awesome. It's grown so much and from you just saying that you wanted a boutique and I feel like like you have set so many <laughs> boutiques in motion. So yes. you technically do have some boutiques. Some yeah. people have created lines just based on what you've been able to show everyone. The ability for fashion to be comfortable for everyone of all si shapes and sizes and not 
fitting into this size sample size box just to be attractive, especially in fashion blogging. I feel like back then, everybody was a size zero to four, and especially being a woman of color or being a curvy or hourglass figure or athletic build even, like yeah, just any absolutely. type of female outside of that little box you didn't fit. And so you were like, okay, well, where do I go to find clothes? Do I go to the plus size section right. of JCPenney's or Macy's or whatever was like the thing back then? And now I feel like so many smaller boutiques have popped up because of people like you and influencers. So I think that's really awesome that you started this journey. Thank you, man. So you were one of the first um, online personalities to really help change the narrative of plus size fashion. Do you see yourself as a role model for women? You know, wow. Like, I don't think I've ever really kind of saw myself as that. Um, in my head, I'm just over here kind of plugging away. So I appreciate you saying that. Like, I've never really kind of saw myself as as the someone kind of leading that change like um but I do know that I do have and and hold just an inherent social responsibility um I do feel that it is my responsibility or my kind of um charge to uh continue to affect change however I can so if that means speaking up about something having conversations with different brands like yo you need to do this or I can't I, I can't feature you like this or like you know being able to push back to different designers and brands like hey there are no women of color you may want to look into this or hey um, why aren't you using plus size models this is going to be an issue for you and being able to actually say that with confidence and you know while I may not always say and have those conversations with my readers like these are the things that I do on the back end so it's, it's for me, it's something that's truly a passion that I don't look to like, oh, I'm going to be a, um, a role model. It just, like, for me, I get my motivation from serving and providing information and being of resource and of service. Like, that, for me, is what really drives and really motivates me to do what I do. Um, but I'm really grateful and humbled that you even see me as that space <laughs> no that's awesome i think uh you saying that you hold social responsibility as an influencer and i think sometimes it's it's sort of a tricky place to be when you have that kind of a little bit more privilege to speak directly with brands and, and people who are making those you know important decisions is that you want to make sure that these people work with you because you know coins but you also like yeah. you said have that social responsibility if people are looking toward to you to be a representative of a brand if a brand does something like cut a, a line of clothing or release a line and it's not size inclusive then it's like people are looking at you like don't be a fraud da, da, da. and so i think it's amazing that you said you do have social responsibility you accept that and you are leading out the charge and i think that's awesome because for some people who do have you know the ability to be so visible in this space choose not to do that because it's not you know it doesn't affect them directly and in a way you saying that you're going to speak out for everyone or people who look up to you that's i mean I think it's it's kind of rare nowadays, yeah. and I think that not even just, like, influencers, but even celebrities will kind of go with whatever is the higher paycheck. Like, we, people don't think about that, but a lot of times, like, celebrities even do that, and they're obviously getting, like, these major, major paydays, and so they're like, oh, I'm just going to go with whatever works, but it's I think it's, it's a lot bigger of a challenge nowadays to find um, an influencer who's just really going to stick to what is really, like, 
the core truth of like what their brand is and what represents like the people that they started out trying to serve so that's just really really something to be proud of and super amazing <laughs> thank you i mean it's i mean if you think about it like i'm kind of like i would call myself like a junior in the blogging space right um because like that first wave i would look to like the um, Catherine Finney's and the um, Lovey um, right. and mm-hmm. Patrice and Claire and um, these girls started before me and I looked up to them when I was starting and even when you look at their platforms and what they represent like they hold some of those same kind of um, mindsets or kind of perspectives and mm-hmm. I think it's important like I learned that from them and for me it's important to maintain that like to stay kind of you know to always revisit why i started what is my goal and i think as we deal with like you know an influx of influencers and everyone's looking to um it's easy to be kind of um influenced or impacted by what someone else is doing versus like remembering your core why um, it's it's important because otherwise you you know you get lost in the sauce, and then not only do you get lost in the sauce, like you lose like your core motivation. But like you can tell when someone's really just pushing a product because they got paid versus like let's have a real conversation about X. Mm-hmm. Like or sometimes like you know people react based off of what they perceive or feel that they deserve or they they need. Like it's like yo not that serious like why did you start stick to that hold hold true to that because you know now like everyone expects like you know to start a blog and boom be famous like that's not going to happen anymore seriously um it don't work like that (laughs) y'all spoiler alert like spoiler (laughs) alert if you just start instagram you're not going to be cutting five-figure checks the next week. Um, so speaking on terms of growth and, and how has the Kirby Fashionista grown over the past few years and what's your biggest accomplishment you feel for the brand thus far? Um, I've had a lot of different types of accomplishments, but I think this year for me has really been about uh, being a better leader um, and growing a team. Like, it took me forever to realize that I like I can't do all things. Like I'm not superwoman. I may want to be, but like the reality is, like I can't. In order for me to grow the way that I need to, I need to grow in a way I haven't, and that means like bringing on a team. And I think that has been the most instrumental in allowing um, growth in ways that I just never really imagined. Like with me doing this expo having a production team, having a leadership team, like within my production team and having, um, you know, being challenged to kind of grow in a leadership way where I hadn't really thought about, you know, my homegirl Brandy, she challenges me. She's like, Marie, you're going from bottom up. I need you to be top down. You know, I think a lot of times when you're an entrepreneur and you've come from the business world, we still keep that um, employee mindset, not the employer mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from other mindsets that have to change, but like that's like a big one. Like for me, when I was challenged with that, like, well, oh, dude, I do have an employee mindset. You know, like I need to switch this around. <laughs> and that has been 
a, you know, a lot for me. It's been a, a huge growth of like interpersonal kind of space because it's like, oh, I can do these things. Well, how big can I think? Like, you know, the scarcity mindset is real, right? Like you think like, oh, I can't do it. Or, oh, there's enough, there's bloggers over here. Or, oh, you know, there's already an event going on. Or, oh, like you start, you know, talking yourself out of your own blessing. And having to switch that around and realize like you have a purpose and you need to do your purpose and your purpose is going to be different than the next person. And that's okay. And I think sometimes a lot of people forget that. Yeah, I really love that you talk about having a team and just how that has been like a huge part of your growth because I feel like there's a lot of just like bloggers and influencers and just people in the business world out there who other people are looking up to and thinking they are doing all of this completely on their own. They have all these followers. They're pushing out all this amazing content and no one is helping them. And I don't know where that like narrative has like come from, but I do know that there are some people that kind of never talk about having a team. Uh, not that you have to talk about it, you know what I mean? But it's like they never talk about it and they kind of make it like seem as if it's all of them. And it's like, of course, one person can't run like an amazing, huge business like this. Like, of course, you can be a solo entrepreneur and have a business that's, you know, scaled to a certain size. But once you get into, you know, a certain size, you're going to need help. You're not going to be able to do it all alone and you can't be all things um, at the same time. And so I love that you talk about that because I feel like so many people go into these similar fields and they're like, oh, I'm just going to do it all. And if I can't keep up with, you know, the numbers of these other people, then I'm doing something wrong, which it's like, no, that's not the case. You just don't have a team in place and you don't have a team that you're trusting to also do the work. And then I also see a lot of people get into that whole thing where they're just like, well, I have to do all of it, and, like, I don't trust anyone to do anything else, and I think that being a good leader is, like, having people that you do build that trust with, and, you know, being able to kind of let go and step back from certain things and trust people to do their jobs, you know? Right, but I also think, too, like, I mean, because for the longest time, I did do everything by myself, so it's not to be confused, like, you know, in order to grow, there you will reach a moment where you have to start really learning how to fire yourself from certain things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I wish I had done sooner. However, what also people have to realize that just because you haven't heard of them doesn't mean that they haven't been hustling and grinding and putting yes. in the work. Very so true. a lot of times, like people look at someone's success and come up and be like, "Oh my God!" Da 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 da. But, like, you know, the Kirby Fashionista turns nine years old in December. Right. Nine. And so, you know, there's a, what did I say, it takes ten years to become an overnight success. Like, people have, you know, you have to put in that work. And, and I think what's, what the challenge is, is with social media, everyone's able to curate and present their best selves rather than sometimes their most authentic selves. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's always about like that amazing picture or that amazing. I mean, dude, like when I do my Facebook lives, I'm not wearing shoes. <laughs> I might be in, um, I'm in my office. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're here talking. Like we're having a conversation. Like when you're sitting on the couch talking with your girlfriend, you don't have your shoes on. Right. Like, you know, and it's finding different ways. And I only started doing Facebook live and connecting with my audience this year like that. So it was a whole different mindset shift even for myself when I'm looking at different ways to reconnect and re-engage my audience in different ways. So aside from getting a team, I think it's also important that you learn how to adapt and grow. 
Um, and being that we are a digital site and digital platform, we have that um, advantage of being able to pivot quickly. Mm-hmm. However, um, it's really important that you learn how to const- that you're constantly assessing, like where you're at and where you want to go. Because otherwise, you look up and you're, you know, a magazine that has to shutter and go online only, or you're a Kmart or a J.C. Penney having to file, ch- you know, bankruptcy. Like it's right. important that you stay flexible and open to the times that change. Yeah, I definitely think that's uh, what Toys R Us just recently said that they missed catching mm-hmm. on to the digital yes. space, this space while they're getting ready to file for bankruptcy for the millionth time. Um, I know. I'm like, how are they still like? <laughs> they've been floating on the air for 12 years. But I, I, when's the last time I saw a Toys R Us? This one, a millennium. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know because that's where I got my car seat. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's true. If you're not looking up, if you're not paying attention, if you're not in the zone, if you're not ready to change, if you're not open and willing to be willing to change and your business closes down and there's so many businesses that I worked with when we first started that aren't open anymore just because the owners were unwilling to change and move into more of a digital space or you know accept that and now millennials millennials are the largest you know consumers in the space in terms of everything and so we're people who don't want to accommodate those needs of us being kind of a stop and go generation like we we don't have time to kind of just hang out and do stuff we are looking for delivery we get our food delivered we get our clothes delivered we get our you know subscription boxes we get our groceries delivered we don't go out to stores anymore and all this stuff and so so many um, retailers are, are falling at the bits or whatever because of this so definitely thinking being able to pivot and we talked about that a little bit yes last week on you know looking at your direction and always being willing to change focus yeah. versus kind of staying in your own inward self so I appreciate that you said that for everybody else to hear and not just from us <laughs> <laughs> So getting into writing a little bit, what goes into freelance fashion writing and how is it different from other styles of writing? Well, I wouldn't even call, like, it depends, right? Because with freelance, um, you're writing for the voice of the website that you're going to be landing on, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You have to learn how to adapt your voice to a variety of different places. So for example, on the Curvy Fashionista, it's very girlfriend, casual, conversational. So that's not as easy to do as other people, like people may assume. Right. Um, and I realized that as I was trying, you know, as I try to explain this to people, I'm like, oh, it's conversational. Like, don't get so formal. I need people to read. You know, I want them to feel comfortable and not feel stuffy. So it depends on, you know, it's very important that you know the voice of the site that you're submitting to because otherwise you're not going to get a response. You're, you know, and sometimes people don't have the time to sit and explain to you what the voice is. Like if you're pitching them, you're pitching me and you're pitching me a report that's very um, dry and formal. I'm not even going to respond to it. If you're pitching me weight loss or, um, anti-aging or whatever like I'm not going to respond to it so it's important that you know the voice that you're pitching to um, and or that you're writing for yeah I think that's so important because um, you know one site sounds different completely different than another site and I know that that was always like as a writer 
a problem that I had was getting kind of like informal, so to speak, just because I had always been taught to like write so formally. So it took me a long time to like adjust to that. But it is, it's really important to know your audience um, and really do your research because I feel like a lot of people just kind of submit blanket stuff nowadays. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not going to work. Like you really need to, I mean, even we get submissions that I'm just like, have you like did you ever like even just go to our website like did you listen to like five seconds of the podcast because we'll get people that are just like you probably like this it would be a waste of someone's time you know what I mean like that's it's not the audience for you but they'll still just kind of like submit these like blanketed pitches everywhere I think it's so important to go in and like listen or you know read what it is that you're actually trying to apply to write for um so that you know that you have the voice down you know Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, um, I started freelance blogging for Chick Chick back in 2009, 2010, so long ago, um, but I remember that was one of the things that appealed to me about writing for blogs is that they're so informal, Yeah, I'm a very formal writer, Same. but I was like, okay, well, the fact that I can be a little bit like, hey girl, so this mouse is awesome, you know, get to use it was really exciting for me, because that's the way I wrote on my blog, and, you know, learning to do that made me be able to do that and that's something that I also teach in my speaking when in terms of um, in terms of content is having uh, branded writing or content guidelines for smaller sites just so when they grow they have an understanding of what their voice and their tone is because a lot of people are like okay I want to have contributors I want to have writers well what does your blog sound like what kind of images do you use what should the writers be looking to submit and if you're a bigger site like obviously people know what a scary mommy sounds like or some yeah. of the other bigger sites but for a smaller site you have to define what you want your voice and tone to sound like for the people who are submitting pitches so yeah that's awesome so how are you navigating all of the changes of the online space in the past nine years everybody nine years ago had time to read blogs and now everybody's looking for you know instagram videos in the so you have to capture capture a visitor's attention in like less than eight seconds i think i read so what are some things that you're doing to help navigate that space uh like so <laughs> it's a lot because there's not only is it content and different platforms to use, but then you also have to compete with like Google that right. just did an update yesterday, an algorithm update, then you have to know like the Facebook algorithm that's mm-hmm. changed, the Instagram algorithm that's changed. So you have to be monitoring um various different sites and, and processes across the board. Um and constantly scouring for like what's new where do you want to go i will say when it comes to social media platforms it's important that you find the platform that you know that you can actually engage on and everywhere else you could just have a placeholder just right. hold your name right so for um for me you know my reader is a little bit older so we're on facebook we chat on facebook like that's where we get down Instagram is probably a second, but like, and I and I've assigned different personalities to different types of um, social media uh, social media uh, platforms. So on Facebook, it's more conversational. Hey, girl, we're laid back. Like this is funny. Like and even getting a little bit more personal. On Instagram, is very like you kind of push the envelope. And on Twitter, those are like my coworkers or my <laughs> like that's how I see it. Right? I don't see people on. Twitter as like fans or readers, I see them as coworkers and colleagues mm-hmm. because I've been on Twitter since 2009. Right. So, like, 
you know, like that's like a, a, a or maybe 2008, I don't know, but it's been a long ass time. <laughs> so it's like, you know, most of the people on there were like, what is this thing? Like this is, you know, it's changed so much. Right. Um, and so kind of like you're always like evaluating where you are, like what the voices of the brand, the goals of the brand, the, you know, positioning of the brand and how it makes sense for the different platforms. I don't use Snapchat. I don't have time. Girl, same. I don't have to be in like, and, 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 and why? Like, I got Instagram, <laughs> I got Instagram stories. I'm over here just learning. I think earlier this year, I learned how to get down on Instagram stories. Like, I'm a weird, um, I'm not a millennial. I'm not ex zennial, they call it. Yep. Ex zennial. I'm in between, I'm not gray area, right? I'm on, you know, I grew up like when they introduced computers into school. Um, where Oregon Trail was our first game that we played. Oh my god, Oregon Trail was good. I love that <laughs> game. There weren't computers in every room. You know, there weren't TVs in every room. You like, you still had a cart. Check out the TV in the library. Yes. <laughs> to the room, and and it was a VHS, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so there's that. But then you know, I grew up with also learning how to adapt to, um, you know, in the internet. You know, when Yahoo chat rooms were the, were the thing. Right. You know, so it, it's just a very interesting space. And so my audience kind of reflects that. Yeah. And it gets old. Like, I'm at the point now because I same being online. I'm not, you know, Generation X, but being online and having computers and being having access to it. Because I went to private school so very early and being in digital space for a very long time. Like Snapchat, the thought of it exhausts me. <laughs> like it sounds exhausting. I am doing literally everything else. I don't have time for that. There's just some things that come up, and I'm just like, nope. And generally, the people who are in tune with my audience or understand who I am or my colleagues, like you said, so so many people I follow on Twitter are the same. They're like, okay, yeah, I get it. This girl's not gonna be on Snapchat, and I'm not even gonna look for it. Not gonna. Tweet I her, loved Snapchat until Instagram Stories came out, and now I'm like, what? Like, I'm not gonna use both. They all do the same thing, and now Facebook has Stories too, which I'm like, I'm not getting on that. Like, I'll do Instagram Stories. Like, that's what. Like, you get Stories in one place. Like, you don't need Stories all across the board. That's a lot going on for me. It's too much. Too much. The internet's asking for too much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like and like, why do you want to see? Like, I can't. Like, I'm wondering who is the person that's watching stories from one brand or one person across all three of the different platforms to watch stories from like that's a lot going on Girl. what do they like what do those people that are watching all that do for a living because i'm like they don't they have a lot of time i don't understand I think part i think part of the challenge is the competition of the eyeballs right yeah. so that's when certain brands will change different um algorithms to be either more or less in favor yeah. of um, you know, usage. So there are always like different things that are moving and changing in and finding what works for you is important early on. Knowing your voice is important early on because that way you're able to, and knowing who your reader and your audience is because then you're better able to identify like where she's going to be and know where to engage her the most. Like my readerships, use 30 to 45 and then 45 to 60 so traditionally the older crowd is on Facebook mm -hmm. and Twitter so that's what we gonna roll with that makes sense. <laughs> then, then secondly then there's Instagram right so it's like you know those two plus they're both owned by the same brand right. so like they kind of accentuate each other yeah it makes sense I mean it makes complete sense 
So your brand is really big on pushing um, body confidence. So why should fashion brands embrace body confidence? You know, I would, you know, it's, it's, it's funny and it's weird and it's frustrating because in some ways, body image and body positivity has been co-opted by mainstream media. Yeah, totally. And they've been trying to redefine what body positivity is and redefine the ideals of plus-size women and redefine um, the looks. I mean, if you look at a lot of the bloggers, most of the bloggers who are in this space are women of color, but once you get to mainstream media, you don't see that same representation. Exactly. You don't see the same... Um, it's, it's not indicative. It's like become like we're like a trend, right? Or we're like a hot button. And then you don't see the variety and the diversity that these blogs and these, um, you know, digital media platforms have created because of the lack of attention, um, acceptance, and inclusion. So now here we are, Kmart just launched, um, relaunched their plus size department to call it Size Fabulous. Right. Instead of calling it Plus Size. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, this is, you know, the reason why at the time when Lane Bryant started the Drop the Plus conversation or, you know, they started that conversation and I said to them, I said, stop it. It's distracting. It's it it's, it takes us back steps. It's frustrating because, like, we're over here trying to get these women just to be comfortable in their skin. Now you're telling them that this word that they've learned to identify with is no longer good. Right. We're going backwards. So now with the commodification of body and body positivity, these women are that are being you know these unofficial spokespeople people they're white women they're women who are sizes 12 and 14 right. skirt through um and then it's always in this like conversation around um weight loss or um the message has been lost you know and and it's really frustrating so it's like how do we reclaim that to be like no like stop like you know, it's it's we're not a a trend. This is like something that within the plus community that is very dear to us. So for people to be like, oh, you know, size diversity and inclusion, and I'm looking like where's the plus model? Right. And if I have issues trying to discern who the plus model is. The that the everyday woman is gonna look and be like, this is BS. So it's important that. You know, as these brands are starting to reach out and, you know, um, use those uh, platforms that they are smart and that they reach out to people who are around them in the community, not the industry, but the community, to be able to have someone like, yo, don't do that. That's not going to be good. You know, like, oh, we're size inclusive. Okay, where's where's the full belly girl? Right. Where's the short girl? Mm-hmm. Where's the uber tall Amazon girl? Like, that's diversity. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's a really frustrating place because you kind of are, like, watching. Like, I have, like, because then even now the brands that are coming into Plus are stopping at a 22 yeah. or a 20. And it's like that becomes even more offensive than in being inclusive of at least the 26, 28. Yeah. Totally. You know, and so 
it's, it's still like kind of reinforcing, oh, we accept plus, but only up into a certain size. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand like how sizes became what they are and why none of them fit me because I'm like, I can't find clothes anywhere. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I just, just have like. Naked. Yep, I'm like, I just have, like, one of those bodies that just doesn't fit, like, any narrative, and I'm one of those people that can't find pants, because, like, if they fit over my butt, then they're gonna be so long, because I'm not tall, um, so, but I never feel, like, so short, I was, because I, I don't, I'm not, like, you know, extremely short, but my butt um, yeah, sure. ratio <laughs> you're to not like a five <laughs> even, but you're yeah. not a tall human. Yeah, but that's average. the thing is like little, so it's, you're petite. It's one of those things that it's size. like yeah. I well that's the thing is I'm five four, but okay. like I'm thick. So like I used to not be, and then it wasn't hard to find clothes at all because I just shop in the petite section. Everything was like tiny and like yeah. you know like I wore like a size three, and it was you know very easy to find clothes back then but like now it's like if I find something that literally like fits over my butt then it's like it's it's a done deal it's I'm gonna be like tripping over the edges so it's just like it's so weird like I'm, I'm like did you think that people only like people who are wide only were like a certain height like I don't I don't get it so I think we're so a lot of it too is like people have become there's like that needs to be a kind of a re-education of a lot of things in retail. Fast mm-hmm. fashion has destroyed a lot. Of oh, yes, yes. Fast fashion has like you know changed the cuts, the fits, the expectation, the level of investment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, you're not going to get a bespoke pair of pants that are perfect for you for twenty dollars. Right. You yeah. can find some that are good for right now. But the fact that they're going to last in your closet for five years is very few and far between. Yep. And I think re-educating and re-kind of having that conversation around sizing again and, mm-hmm. and, and the quality and what to look for and, you know, the importance of, you know, being able to wear one item five ways and, and, and building life back into your closet is important. And I think fast fashion has kind of challenged or becomes a challenge for people because it shifts it it has kind of warped their expectation of fashion across the board um, and so for me I've worked in retail before you know for years before I even started blogging and so I've worked at the department stores you know and I've worked in um, like the various levels of like from Express to Nike to Bloomingdale's to Harris Gottschalk's, right? Mm-hmm. And so seeing the different levels of, of fashion and seeing how things look and feel. Like, yes, you may be 5'4", but if you buy a pair of pants at a department store, they'll hem your pants for free. Yep. Mm-hmm. But if you go to a Forever 21 and get some pants and they're hella long, then yeah, go to a tailor and get them shortened. But include the use of a tailor is not a bad thing, and I think that is where like some people kind of get distracted or dissuade because they're feeling like everything should just fit right off the rack. That's right. not true, and that's why it's, that's why tailors exist. Well, it's funny. Say, it's funny you mentioned that because my closet is literally just full of like the same pieces that I wear all the time because of that reason. Because I am one of those people that has to kind of like get everything tailored to me. So you're mm-hmm. exactly right. And you're and you're and you're not alone. I mean, even in the plus, you know, now they're bringing in plus petite, right? So for that plus size woman who is under five five yes. and needs um, a shorter hemline, but still needs things cut for the fuller figure, these brands exist. And so 
you know, a lot of, you know, one of the things that torque me so much is when a celebrity gets on somebody's interview, like, I couldn't find anything that fits me or that works for my style. I'm like, girl, where the hell you been? Right. Like, people exist. Right. Like, these brands exist. It's just sometimes their stylists don't bring them these options. Yeah. So, like, you can hop on Google and find, you type in, you type in plus size designers, you're going to be taken to my site. Right. Exactly. So, like, there are options out there. It's just a matter of putting in the work to find what you're looking for. And so, yeah, like, there's still a lot of work that has to be happen that has to happen in plus size fashion. But we have come a long way, and we and it's important that people are responsible with their words when they say things like that because it really gets that gets the most attention. Not mm-hmm. the fact that there are actually a good right. million more plus size brands available, but you know when you keep talking about there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. It that woman who's trying to find something is going to be discouraged because you just went on the platform and said you couldn't find an evening wear gown, ma'am. Yeah, who was that? Who was that? Somebody I mean, said that. Who was a that? A lot of people. A lot. Yeah, of there's someone in particular who I'm thinking of that's really famous um, though. They said me about um. It's like, it was a huge thing. Oh yeah, yeah. She said Christian, she couldn't find anything um, at all. Sorry, yeah. Did her dress for the premiere for Ghostbusters? But yeah, I'm like Leslie's six. She's over six feet. I'm pretty sure. So she's a taller, and she's a lot. But I'm like, Leslie, you are, like, you could Google girlfriend, like you said. Like, Google, and you could have found evening wear immediately. Somebody would have given you a dress for free had you reached out to a smaller, probably woman of color on brand. It's not even them. It's their Their stylist. Yeah. Yeah, The stylist is not putting in the work. And if the stylist doesn't know that, you know, the stylist has never done, I mean, look how people are on Project Runway without, um, uh, like not the plus size, you know, like not the plus size this right. current season, mm-hmm. but how people would react like, oh my god, oh my god, like there's still this this uh, association with I don't know what to wear or I don't know how to what to do with all this body. Right. Like yeah, you do do. Like it's called math. <laughs> it's math. You learn how to grade and scale, and if you don't know how to do that, then you know go back to you know go back to the drawing board, literally, and so. It's just, it's, you know, on one hand, like, I could see why some of the celebrities would, but, like, it's, like, we have a whole bunch of plus-size celebrity stylists. So, rather than going to, you know, I don't know, Rachel Zoe comes to mind, right? right? Because she's a celebrity stylist. Instead of going to her, why not go to Susan Moses, or Rhea Norman, mm-hmm. or Megan um, from Little Lime Dress, or, um, I mean, there's, there's a list, there's timothy snell or you know there's a list of different stylists that actually exist that could be dressing these red carpets yeah. and some of them have been or the people who have been dressing tv recently have been amazing just being able to mm-hmm. change a narrative for for people there because i mean i understand how most people who are in actors and actresses fit in a certain body mold but there are definitely a, ra- a range of black bodies on TV right now, which I love personally, and I love that the stylists are making everybody look, look amazing. amazing. Yes, <laughs> look amazing. so you can tell the difference between when someone has a stylist that knows, like you know, plus size fashion, and someone that doesn't. You really see a big difference. Yeah, I don't know how anybody's like Rachel Zoe. Come dress me. I mean, like I don't want Rachel Zoe. She's amazing for, but she ain't me. Like she's not gonna fit my body. She's not gonna look out for me in that way. 
so something that, like, if people haven't even been listening to this interview thus far, <laughs> you are amazing at teaching people. We Like, people should be learning so much already just from this interview. So why is it important for you um, just to be going and speaking at conferences and doing all those things to teach entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs specifically, uh, about how the hustle and how the world works, honestly? I think, you know, it's important for me. I didn't get here by myself. I got here with advice, with le- mentorship, leadership, um, um, friendship from women who've been in the game longer than I have. Um, it's important to always pay it forward because that's the only way we kind of create, um, you know, communities that are thriving. And so, you know, I always say, and it's always funny, I'm like, if you have a question, just inbox me. Like, do just inbox me. And um, it's interesting, like, because some people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you. Like, I'm like, why not? Like, someone else helped me. Like, why wouldn't I? Like, I only just, you know, challenge you to pay it forward. Like, so it's interesting how you, like, how important it is to, um, you know, find your tribe, pay it forward, and, and help the next person. You know, I think my league has been like so dope of a friend. Like when I we first connected, and she just poured into me, poured, and I was just like, oh my god, this woman is amazing. <laughs> and you know, so even some of her anecdotes, I pay it forward to other women who come and ask me questions, and I'm like, yo, you got this, and I, you know, whatever it is that they need assistance with, I help. So it is important for me to you know, continually give back. Um, And I don't do a lot of speaking engagements. I want to do more, but I'm also a little bit of a square or a nerd. So I'm not really always creative with the best pitches, but once I get on the stage, I can talk, right? So I got to work on that for me. Um, And so I think for me, it's now kind of getting comfortable and finding my own new footing because I am like, an OG in this space now, right? I'm not like a newbie. So mm-hmm. I have to then give that, like kind of assert myself in that space, like, yo, this is this is what you need to know. Mm-hmm. And so like, it just, it, it's another space for growth for me. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so you have this huge, huge, huge following. Like, I know you're super, super humble about it, but it's massive. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people you're inspiring, mainly women, lots of women in color. Um, so I really want to know who are the brands and influencers that you're inspired by, because I think it's always interesting to see, you know, you inspire us. So the people who inspire us, where are you getting your inspiration from? Um, I get my inspiration from a lot of different places. It's hard to kind of narrow it down, but for me, um, I love being around other women business owners, especially like-minded ones who are really doing their own thing and marching to the beat of their own drum Um, because they're thinking big, they're thinking like, you know, they're taking that leap and building a net as they, you know, fly, (laughs) you know, like they're just going for it and being around that type of energy only kind of begets more of that energy and for me because I am sensitive to energy like I need to be around other women who are like 
who are just who have a very similar mindset and Mm -hmm. it's really fun to see like how they rub off on me um i'm like what can i do i could do that too or how can i make this work for me so learning those different ways like like kind of that fuel it's fuel right so it's it's really important to surround yourself with like-minded like spirited um women and that's for me like that's who i am like drawn to those circles especially like those business owners because you learn so much i'm a sponge i'm just going like oh okay how can i make this work for me That's so true. And I really like, I like that you said like you're sensitive to energy. I am as well. And really when I hang out with other business owners, like there's nothing like it. It's just, I feel so like filled afterwards. Like you said, like you found a friend who just like poured into you. And it's like, that's exactly how I feel after I hang out with like, just, you know, other girls who are like running their businesses and just really like doing the most with it. Like, you know, just having fun with it and enjoying it and like finding their passion. Like I love to be around other people that you can tell that they're doing what they were meant to do and they love what they do. That's like my favorite type of person to be around. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's, I mean, but even those who are still just learning, like I also find like the new ones also teach me things as well because they're also coming in with a different subset of like, uh, qualities or tools that I may not be aware of. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember one of my, um, interns one time did a presentation on Prezi and I was like what's that and you know I was like oh this is fancy (laughs) like learning different tools and ways to do things right like you know work work smarter not harder yes so I think it's like just remaining open it's important in your journey that you remain open and flexible and pliable and teachable because you will learn and become inspired around everything around you if you allow yourself to be and for me, there have been points where I have been open, where I've completely shut down, where I've been, um, it's, it's a rocky, it's a roller coaster, right? This love, this road of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And you, you're questioning, who am I? Where's, you know, where, where do I fall in this grand scheme of things? Like, how am I, you know, um, am I relative right now? Like, or are people, do people care? You're like, you kind of sit in this space sometimes of questioning and second guessing your, your purpose, I guess, for lack of a better word. It's important, that's why I said like in the beginning, that you always stay in touch with why you started. Because otherwise you can easily get distracted um, and discouraged and not see like the blessings and the the places where you can be inspired from because your focus is elsewhere yeah what do they say comparison is the thief of joy yeah every day yeah every day of the week friends I totally love um, what you said about meeting new people because I'm like that as well. Every now and again, it's like when I'm doing a talk or something and someone comes up to me and they're like, let me tell you about this thing. And I'm like, wait, hold up. Let's talk about it in depth. Give me all the deets. Let me learn. Because everybody's so excited about all this new knowledge. And I think having a good mixture of, you know, like the OGs, like you said, and I love talking to people who've been in the game a little bit longer because we've seen everything change versus these newbies who are like, so impressionable and kind of moldable and like have all these fresh ideas that to use the changes that have because sometimes it's so hard to look past the blogging and commenting and having your blog roll and having your google reader and da 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 and then like it's like i miss that so much that sometimes i look 
you know, completely past doing this Instagram stories and all that other stuff and that nonsense that I don't really do. But every time I get a new person will come into my life and they're like, no, you need to think of it this way and change your mind and change your perspective. And I'm like, you're right. Like, thank you. I needed that. So I definitely think you should be always flexible and moldable and, and willing to learn to stay in it. Being an entrepreneur in general and being a human is great, but especially if you have a business, you need to be willing to, to learn, learn and change often. So, what are some things that you're working on, and what should we look forward to from you and all the things that you're going to be doing upcoming that you can share with us, at least? I mean, well, I just wrapped our expo um, that happened um, in July, Mm -hmm. uh, the last week of July. Um, So, we're starting planning for that for next year, um, the TCF Style Expo. And then, um, definitely playing around with more video um, more Facebook Live, um, and really focusing on, on um, creating a new foundation for scale and for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an amazing team that, like, they have relieved so much of this weight and pressure that I've put placed on myself. So now it's allowed for me to be more creative in the directionality of brand. So I can be like, okay, well, how do we do this? How do we get here? So a lot of it is. Um, you know, we're still coming up on our um, ninth year anniversary in December. So trying to figure out, do I have enough time to plan an anniversary party? Um, <laughs> yes, you do. Out. Make the time. You just you should celebrate it. It's it's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. So it's just like you know, knowing all the things that go into putting together an event and anniversary party. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm crazy. Like, you know, because I'm also introducing, like, a new event next year for the brand that's not an expo. And so I'm like, okay, you're a little insane. And so, like, right now what's next is just, you know, the the looking to see the, the growth and the scale of the brand. Like, that's changing, bringing different, you know, types of... Um, ways to communicate, you know, playing around with our newsletters, what's the perfect mix for us. Um, so right now it's just kind of kicking those things around. So I, I, I don't have anything that I could share just yet. I'm sorry. Because there's things that are still in plan mode. But once um, I do, I'll definitely share them with you. Yeah, share them with us so we can share them with our listeners for sure. Everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I'll definitely, like, if you do do an anniversary party, I will try to find an excuse to come up, because I've been avoiding the city like the plague <laughs> this year. I've been like, I I went to Atlanta lots of times last year, da 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 and I've not gone, so <laughs> I guess okay. I should go before the year has ended, because my family's up there, and I we went twice last year, and I'm just, I feel like I've been, like, hiding behind the gates. I was like, I was just there! In November, and it's like September of 2017, so I need to go. Oh, need to go back to the city and come see some people when yeah, you, when when everybody has power again. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh my that. goodness! Well, thank What's you so cover? much, Marie, for talking to us. Yes, and thank you. I learned so much together and educating everyone on what's happening. And really, I mean, this conversation, like you said, about media and changing the way people look at plus size and it, they're they're rolling with it. I feel like the media is doing so much, but 
with plus size and body acceptance and, and wellness is now a thing that the media is driving into the ground in the wrong way. So yeah. I'm glad that we were able to talk about it a little bit more truthfully and from somebody who's had so much experience in the space and knows what brands are doing behind the scenes and stylists and everything. So thank you for coming on. And, and thank you for taking the time to, to have the you know site in the first place and to create a brand where so many of us, like you show so much representation of so many different types of people you know, I think a lot of people just kind of show, even if it is, like, plus size, they might be just showing, like, one sort of body, one sort of person. And what I really love is that, like, so many people can see themselves in, in the women that you post, like, on to your social channels and onto your website. So I really do appreciate that. Thanks, babe. I appreciate you for saying that. You know, awesome. of course. Ooh. All right, well, thank you so much. Ooh. Thank you.